Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We've just bought a home back in Baltimore, and this will be my forever home because I will never leave. But unless there is a handsome former boy band person or perhaps someone who was on 90210 who wants to woo me, they have to live here in this home. Rest in peace, Luke Perry. Oh! I know, oh. girl. I know. You know, somebody asked me, like, what the celebrity death was that hit you the most, and it was that. I don't know why. Luke Perry? It it hit me so hard. You just, think- you just humanized this conversation so much because... To, to hear a woman who has lost her partner, her husband, tell me that she still can grieve a celebrity loss. Like, humans are so complex and Humans beautiful. are so weird. I stopped watching Riverdale after he died. Um, but, of course, I was watching Riverdale and in my 40s, so that's my fault. That's on me. Um, <laughs> that's on me. Um, but no, I, I... No, this is a, a judgment-free zone. So I'm going to let that one slide. But if I was a person that judged, (laughs) I might have hopped on there and cracked a few jokes. Welcome to Help a Human Out, the podcast where each week we answer the tough, confusing, or uncomfortable questions in life. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. On today's episode, the question we're going to answer is from a woman named Sarah. And it is a real doozy. Hi there. My husband passed away suddenly a month ago and left behind myself as well as our four-month-old son. And I was wondering if you had any advice on how to talk to my son about his dead dad. I googled children's books for this matter, but no dice. Thanks. I don't know how to answer that question. My husband has never died. My kids have never lost their father. But I do know someone who can help out on this one. Leslie Grace Streeter. She was born in Baltimore City, or hood-adjacent Baltimore City, and she's a University of Maryland College Park graduate, a veteran journalist, and someone always looking for new ways to tell stories. I love storytellers. Both her own and those in her communities. She also really likes vegan cheese because she's now a vegan and can't eat real cheese anymore. But she's mostly cool with it. Leslie is the author of Black Widow, a hilarious memoir about the aftermath of losing her husband, Scott. And Leslie is now taking her trauma and using it to help people. I love it. Leslie, thank you so much for being on the show. Did you happen to hear Sarah's voice memo? It did, and it broke my heart. And I I could tell that she's in that place, I call it the fog. I Certainly after widowhood, where you just don't know day is night, night is day. And you can hear the weariness in her voice that even having to think about this and the guilt that's involved, even though she had nothing to do with her husband's death, even right. though she would never have chosen this in a million years, just the now what do I do? What do I tell my child? And this is on me. And this overwhelming, crushing 
uh, thing. And I recognize that four right. month olds, four months old can't talk. They can't, there's no chance that that mm. child has real memories or that they will ever be able to articulate of, of that moment in time. And the thing that broke my heart so much is that I don't know her circumstance or how he died or anything of that, but I do know that when you have a very new baby, everything oh is a, goodness. Everything's about the future. I'm sure that her her husband bought for the baby clothes that the baby had not yet grown into. Of course. Bought things. There are things in that house. Built or, a crib. Yes. And who knows, because they don't always sleep in them immediately, that there are things that that father, in anticipation, bought, built, planned for, you know, said, wrote, whatever, for this child, in anticipation of the child's future. And you're supposed to be looking forward and having a stop in that. I remember it took me probably a couple of weeks, even though I knew, obviously, my husband had passed, to really understand what it meant now to have that part of my story done. And I kept going, so he's not going to remember him. So he's not going to be here. So I'm a single mother now. Like, and yes, it's, it's incredibly, everyone else gets there faster than you because they're able to do that, but it's not the same, man. It's not the same when you're in it. And so it's all swirling and you'll wake up in the morning. You'll swear he's still next to you. You'll wake up in the morning. You'll swear you just spoke to him. And none of this, none of this makes sense because it's not meant to. Yeah. And so, like I said, I heard in her voice that helplessness and that, you know, I don't know her, but I know that for me, I'm a person that makes plans. I'm a person that like, if you tell me that we might go to Vegas in six months, I have planned that entire vacation. I have done mm-hmm. routes. I have like figured out comparison price on Priceline and Hotwire and whatever. I am annoying. I have spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm, I am that person. So yeah, we, we can travel together, but I appreciate your plan. There you go. I, uh, we, it would be fun anyway. So sorry about that. So anyway, um, I have this, these moments and, but I will say that once I get there, I just let it go. I'm more like what will save me money once we get there. And then I'm like, you do you, I'm going to watch law and order reruns in bed and order yes. service. Right. <laughs> Which is how I roll. But I, what I could hear, and not to project myself onto Sarah, but I don't know how you can help not have this be when you have a four-month child and your yeah. husband dies or your partner dies or spouse, whoever it is that you have been raising, expecting to raise this child in, everything you have planned stops. And yeah. now she's thinking, how do I make this person who meant so much to me and who I'm sure this child was paramount in that person's life. Oh, of course. How do I ever, and it's not just how do I tell them they died. It's how do I make him real to this person? How do I make- This four month old little person? This four month old little person. How do I make, how do I accept with everything else that's fallen on my head without me wanting it to? How do I accept, how do I possibly- fulfill the things that my husband wanted for this child, starting with making sure that he has a presence in this child's life, even though he's not here. And I'm the one who has to be the bearer of the story. And here's the thing. It is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. 
everything's uncomfortable. I think we're seeing right now this year that first we tried to go, oh, everything's going to be great. It's not great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that this woman lost her husband in this year. I mean, I hope- With with an infant. With an infant. Who she had this year. She had a baby this year, which was a hopeful thing. And then her husband dies. I mean, the- In the worst year ever. In the worst year. That it's like, here, here's something hopeful. And then we throw some lie on it. Yeah. (laughs) And we set it on fire. Um, So I I just, what I want to say to her, first of all, is that there is no one way. And I say this to everybody. There's no one way to heal. There's no one way to tell somebody, someone something. I, it's interesting that I got this particular topic because there were people who've never been through this who were who clearly have judged me because they've said to me, they haven't said I'm judging you, but who have asked me why it took so long for me to try to, I mean, I put it into words. I thought my, my son might be getting what I was saying and he clearly didn't because he was two and it was probably till he was three or so that I really said the words dead and I said those things but there were people who'd be like well why didn't you tell him it's not like he was seven and I just pretended he'd gone on a fishing trip I mean right also I want people to stop judging other humans I want people to get the hell out of people's business to not to you know and to not form opinions unless they are asked unless what's that thing don't come for me unless I call for you Leslie let me tell you I legitimately (laughs) said today that I believe 90% of the world's problems could be solved if people just minded their damn business. Minded their damn business. Right. Like, oh, oh, you don't like gay people? That's fine. Keep it moving. It has nothing to do with you. You don't like black people? Well, we're still going to be here. Keep it moving. Like, mind your business. I have always said that it's like, you don't don't like gay marriage? Then don't don't have a gay marriage. Yeah, it's fine. That's it. You don't want to have gay adoption? Then don't be gay and adopt somebody. Otherwise... It's not your freaking business. And I think that what I want to say to Sarah, besides the fact that I am truly from the bottom of my heart, so sorry that I don't have words for it. Um, I want you to heal on your own time. I want you to tell your son what you can tell him as it becomes the right thing for you to say. I want you not to judge yourself at all for things that you, even if you decide that maybe it wasn't the right thing to say, or maybe it didn't convey what you wanted it to, you will be in that child's life for the rest of his life. Right. You will have time to make this up. There is no timeline. There is no anything. I mean, here's what you can do. Here's what I would do. Four months old. He's just figuring out he has feet. Right. So you are not at this point going to be able to tell him anything and that's going to, or tell him anything that he's going to get. And that is going to um, haunt you and make you awfully sad for a very long time. And I, I hate to tell you that. So she has all these memories and she's probably feeling all this extra pressure of like, all this extra oh, I, I can't forget this. I can't forget that. I got to remember this because now it's not just about her and her memories. She's got to create memories that don't even exist for don't her child. Exist. So when, when was the first time that Brooks asked about Scott? Um, he asked, I think it had been a couple of days and one of my friends was in the house with him and I was outside on the driveway talking to my mother about something. And she comes out and she says, hey, um, he just said, where's daddy? And I said, and I said, what'd you say? And she goes, I said, let's go get mommy. 
Yeah. Uh, because right. clearly that was my thing. So, you know, the first couple days, I'm just, you know, trying to figure out how to put on shoes, not cry. And so I'm sure even at four months that your child, Sarah, is going, to, it has noticed that there was another person in the room. And maybe they'll, maybe he lifts his head up to look for, you know, to look for your husband. Um, you don't know. And don't put that on yourself because you can't know that. You can't know that. And you, right now, what you have to do is take care of yourself. Um, the day of my husband's funeral, my child had the sniffles. And my mother and I took him to the open hours at the clinic that we went to, mm -hmm. the pediatric place. And I was hoping they would tell me, oh, it's horrible. You can't go to the funeral. And they didn't, of course. Um, couldn't get out of it that way. And I, they said, I said, how long is this going to take? And the doctor said, well, like, you have something to do? I said, yeah, my husband's funeral. And I, and I said that knowing it would probably make her feel bad, but I wasn't, I didn't care about it. At that you point. were grieving and, and I was grieving comes in all the waves. And I had the been punk once again, curses to you, Ashton Kutcher. But, um, I said, uh, what should I do? Because he's a year and a half, you know, almost two. Scott died in July. The funeral, I think was like the second day of August and his birthday, Brooks's birthday was the next month on the 12th. Uh, well, I won't say Ugh. when, but it was later. Um, and I said, so what do I do? And she said, well, he's too young for therapy, but you're not. You have to heal first. When you are able to, you get therapy because he will take his cues about what is healthy and whatever passes for normal at this point from, from you. Mom, so, from mom, yeah. And so Sarah, all I can say is your child, first of all, when he is old enough to understand what a father is and what a parent is and that his other parent is not there, he will overall take his cues from who your husband, about who your husband was through you, through how you talk about him, through the pictures you have in the house, to videos you have of him. If you can share those photos you have of him, maybe when the baby was born, um, also stories. It was always very helpful to me when, and now my son is old enough to to understand some of these stories, even though some of them are not appropriate. Um, his cousins and brother and father and high school and college friends and people go, did I ever tell you the time about your daddy did blah, blah, blah. Right. And at this point he's seven almost. So um, the gross stories are funny to him. Um, That's amazing. Th th those things are great. How, however she remembers him is how she remembers him. I did not and do not want Brooks to believe that Scott was a saint. I don't want him in a mausoleum of daddy. I don't want right. it to be that kind of a wake 24-7 like uh, Mish Havisham. You know, it's not mm -hmm. that kind of thing because nobody, a, nobody he wasn't perfect because nobody is. And because that doesn't help him because who knows what my child would need therapy about. But right. what I don't want him to do is 2020. The, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just start with that. I don't want him to be this person that has to also think about living up to an ideal or any guilt that he might have or whatever, because he deserves no guilt. He has done nothing wrong. He is a baby. Um, and I, I want him to, um, to understand that I want him to, um, be, incredibly grateful that he had Scott for as long as he had him. Yeah. Um, like right now we've moved and 
I'm pulling still stuff out of the boxes. Like I have a lot of his Ra- Scott's Ravens jerseys and I have, you know, things. And he'll ask, like, did my dad buy this? And some things he'll insist his dad bought him and he didn't. But I'm like, okay. And I know he's at a point where at his age, he needs to find his own connection. Of course. To yes. him. And he's, it's hard to watch them grapple with it. Because here's the thing, Sarah. I know you, you as a mother, the minute that baby was born, even the minute that you knew that he existed, before he was born, you knew that you had to protect him from stuff. You just didn't know what stuff. Like, 2020 and the suckage in which it contains and you had no idea um and you had a baby during a pandemic first of all so god bless you she's already worried about like the the mental health of this baby while also grieving while for also herself. grieving and that is both incredibly proactive and forward thinking and also not what you need to do right now once again i shouldn't even say that because what you need to do is what you need to do. But I would say that, and you, she sounded so sad about did, you, not she, being able to find even a book. Ugh. Like it was a failure of hers that she couldn't find children's books. And maybe just like I wrote the book that I wanted to write about, read about grief. Maybe one day she will write the book about, about this. Yeah. And, you know, not, although you don't have to, Sarah, not to put, I'm not on oh, that crazy lady, put one more thing on me I have to do. Basically, it's just her story. You know? It's your it's, story. It's your story. And, and obviously, we can offer advice and we can, even even though you have similar stories, death and loss is so individual, right? It is. So it is. while we love that we can bring people on and give guidance because you share commonalities and similar stories, we know that everybody is experiencing these traumas differently. But what I love is how I can hear the spirit in you. Leslie, mm-hmm. oh, thank and you. it it means that Sarah can be hopeful also. Yeah, I hope so. At this point, she doesn't know what she's doing, I imagine. Oh, of um, course not. She doesn't know what's going on, and she doesn't have to. That's what I'm going to tell you, Sarah. You don't got to do nothing. You don't have to do anything but keep that child breathing, keep yourself breathing, and be fairly clean. Yeah, remember to shower because those first couple of months after the baby, I'll be honest, I stunk all the time. Oh my gosh. Just we we got to we got to keep ourselves healthy cuz this is our she's grieving, there's so much, there's a new baby and support. Who was who was your support? Leslie, who was your support? Who was your team? Who helped you? My it? team, I had a, a an incredible village village of people um, I always remember that awful, that uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, where you think they're in the <laughs> yes. 1800s. That turns out they're like in Like Shyamalan makes great, weird, scary movies. Weird movies. So like The Village. So we would always, for a while, people would say, it takes a village. We would go, it takes a village. Like, it's creepy. <laughs> anyway, so my non-creepy, but, you know, slightly I'm not coming village, to your village. <laughs> yeah, do not come to my village. It's it's Mm-mm. 1887. Um, is. <laughs> Um, my mom, certainly, who's also widowed, who moved in with us because um, we're a wacky sitcom. Um, my my twin sister, um, every one of my 37 bridesmaids, there were nine of them, honestly. There were eight, got eight, no, nine ladies and a dude, my friend Jason. I love it. Um, who's my bridesman. He's like, I'll wear a dress. It's like, you don't have to. Um, <laughs> that, you know, that it was not that kind of wedding, although, because I didn't want anyone else to look prettier than me. I know that's um, right, girl. You better live your best life. It was mine. On your day. It was on my day. And I just had this group of people. There were some people, and you'll know this when you have a loss. The people that 
come around sometimes are a surprise and the people who don't come around are a surprise and you'll go oh i I thought i would have heard from you that's weird okay goodbye and then um some people show up for you in ways that you didn't ever expect and could never have imagined never imagined so my village was people i expected and then there were some people who i became closer to in that there were some friends that Scott went to college with who I did not know that I have now become friends with who reached out to me and said, if you were cool enough for him, you're cool enough for me. You should be my friend. And that's they, amazing. They're amazing. This girl, Layla, who is one of my favorite people. And Layla keeps Scott alive in stories. He has friends who every anniversary of his death, uh, which is July uh, 29th, I put on Facebook, tell me a Scotty Z story. And this one of my favorite this year was a guy that we both went to high school with because we went to high school with together. We didn't really know each other until 20 years later. Um, talked about how this guy worked at Pimlico racetrack and thought himself, he was so cool in high school. So he comes in and he's, he's bragging about how much he knows about racing and Scott, who is 16, probably takes a racing form out of his bag. Um, because he was an old grizzled gambler at 16. Um, and right. so I love those stories so much. Or like a friend, um, told me who I've known forever, told me a story about how, when they went to college together, um, there was a girl on like a soccer team who some of the other girls on that team were mean to, cause she was kind of awkward and there was a dance coming up and they were like, who are you going to take? And Scott asked her. <laughs> I, so I love it. You know, he asked her so she would have a date. And not just so she had a date, because also he was like, we're going to make these girls feel bad. Um, And he opened doors for her and he took her to dinner. And nothing ever happened romantically, but he was not going to let this girl feel alone. And the fact that I'm I'm learning new things about my husband. He's been dead five years. And I'm learning every year I learn new things. And so, Sarah, I hope you're still listening and you haven't just gone, eh, and gone away. But um, if you're still listening... When you are able to, and not a moment before then, ask for stories. Ask people to volunteer yes. to tell your son's stories. Yes. Ask your your husband's siblings or parents if they're still around or his friends. Ask even stuff. I There are people, and I've said this to friends of Scott's, that there are going to be things that they share with Brooks that I have no idea of and I don't want to because it's exactly. weird, wiki guy stuff and it's not my business. But um, but he gets to, he deserves to know all of his dad. All and of you're, them. You're doing the 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 most beautiful gift to Brooks because you're saying, "Hey, I'm not like like I love that you said you don't want to make his dad out to be a saint. No, you want him to know his dad, uh, all every part of his dad. And I think that that's exa- like Sarah right now is she is fresh into this motherhood. She is grieving and dealing with a little infant. And what you just said just my heart just expanded so much because you said, ask for stories. And one of the things I believe more than I can even put into words is that storytelling saves lives. It does. Hey friends, did you know that here at Help A Human Out, every single episode we reserve a free ad space for a BIPOC-owned business? If that sounds like you, send us an email 
at podcast at stillkicking.co. This week, we are talking about Gigi's Flair Emporium, and it is a business that is as fun as it sounds. Gigi Barry started this company because she believes that you're never fully dressed without accessories, and I agree. <laughs> she sells enamel pins, stickers, patches, and tons of other miscellaneous cute stuff. Seriously, it is so cute, and you can buy it for anything. Birthdays, holidays, it's so, so cute and always a great gift. You can even buy kitty defense knuckles and COVID safe door openers. Hello, 2020. From Minnesota merch to pins with references from your favorite TV shows, this shop has got it all. My favorite is the Prince pins. She has tons of them. Actually, I think she has like all of them. <laughs> so many of them. I love it. I'm obsessed. I want one for Christmas, Nora. Plus, did you know that Gigi is also our merch queen here at Still Kickin' and is responsible for designing some of the best Still Kickin' merchandise that you love? Gigi's Flair Emporium is the perfect place for clever holiday gifts for everyone on your list because in case you didn't get the memo, we are shopping directly from artists and small businesses this holiday season. You should really buy from black people too. We believe that everyone needs a little flair. So shop everything adorable, sassy, and fierce at ggsflareemporium.com. That's ggsflareemporium.com. Or you can find her on Instagram at ggsflareemporium. And just like that, we're back. We're talking to Leslie Gray Streeter. Sarah asked a question about losing her person and having a little human she's now in charge of raising alone. Leslie has been there. In a way, she's still there. And we're going to dive right back into how she did it or how she's doing it. You, Leslie, are on here telling a story that rocked your entire world. Mm. But you, you, you're using that story to, to throw out uh, you know, safety nets to people to say you are not alone. You did not, you're not going through this alone. My story is not the exact same, but I promise you I've been there and I'm going to, mm. I'm telling you, you'll get through it. You yeah. are literally helping people with your story and you are giving a safety net. And you know what is going to help Sarah? What's going to save Sarah? What is going to help her, her child? Stories. It will. And, and sometimes it'll be just like random stuff. Like, um, I'll tell Brooks, I, we, we stayed recently, the literally the weekend before the pandemic started here, um, in the hotel that Scott and I got married at on Palm beach. Cause it was our 10th anniversary. And also I was launching my book with James Patterson. And then it was supposed to be the first stop of my tour. <laughs> it was not, um, oh, because haha <laughs> book tour, but, um, we stayed there and I told him stories. Like I told him about how, I had stayed at the hotel the night before and I was still late to the wedding. And Scott was like, you stayed at the wedding and you were still late. I was like, yes, yes, I was. Um, and Brooks <laughs> thought that was, he thought it was hilarious. And I showed him like where on the lawn we danced and where we, you know, where stuff happened. And just, he thought it was hilarious. And um, cause he's watching this and he is a fancy boy who likes a hotel and I love it. he's, you know, he's a fancy lad. And so I was able to tell these stories because that weekend was so significant to me in so many ways. And most of, a lot of my bridesmaids came back and were there for that event. And I was able to say, this person was here and that person was here and they were here and they can tell you these stories. And so it's, you can't see that right now, Sarah, because right now you are still grappling with having to breathe and you cannot blame yourself. Don't blame yourself. If I can, if this podcast was, 
two words long would be don't blame yourself. No, that's three words. Okay, it's three words. Cl- close enough. Close enough, but we close enough. Close enough because you How about this? How about this? No guilt. No guilt. No guilt. There we go. All, we, teamwork. It, teamwork. Make the dream work. It's going to happen anyway. You're going to feel that way. You're going to feel like there's something you could have done or this is all on you and you can't be enough. You are enough because you have to be. And you can't be his dad. You can't replace his dad. Nobody can. Um, I used to say all the time, even if like every Backstreet Boy, all of boy, all of boys to men and Keanu Reeves <laughs> would showed up at my door and, and asked me to marry them, I would have not, they still would not be Scott Zervitz. They would be incredibly hot, but they would not be um his dad, they couldn't replace Not him. Not even AJ McLean. Oh, AJ, stop it with the eight. See, he's close though. Oh, Girl, AJ. Anyway, did, did you see him on Dancing with the Stars? Girl, I know. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, and I will say, but, but the point is, the point he's is, no Scott. Even even bald, hot AJ with the razor blade in his eyebrow yep, yep. situation, mm. dancing to the songs. <laughs> not, not, he's still not, not Scott Servitz and no yeah. one's going to replace him because he was Scott and no one's going to replace. he can't be replaced. He cannot be replaced. And so whether it's, it's a dude or food or a new place to live. Um, I, I talk in the book about eat, because you have a child and Sarah has a small child, you cannot eat, pray, love your way through your grief like you would because you cannot. Because you can't. You can't give up on being a mom. Like, no. You we can't don't just, do that. You cannot do that. You can't just go. And the people who do, once again, I you know, it's, it's a process, but you can't do it really. You just can't. And so what you have to do, you got to stay there. I mean, we stayed in that house I was renting for another six months maybe. And then- yeah. And we had, my mother and I had made plans. We looked at places. We didn't want to like, we didn't want to be like um, shady to my landlords. And then they said literally right before my anniversary, oh, by the way, we're selling the house. If you don't want to buy it, you have to leave by next month. Oh, look at the universe. You wanted the to universe, go anyway. We did. And at first we were like, how did, okay, fine. And then we found a perfect place and it was our home for four and a half years. And now we've just bought a home back in Baltimore. And this will be my forever home because I will never leave. Um, I hate moving. I'm still unpacking and it sucks. And, um, once again, unless an AJ McLean is married, so it can't be him, but unless there is a handsome former boy band person or perhaps someone who was on 90210 who wants to woo me, they have to live here in this home. Rest in peace, Luke Perry. Oh, I know girl. You know, somebody asked me like what the celebrity death was that hit you the most. And it was that, I don't know why Luke Perry. It, it hit me so hard. You just, think- you just humanized this conversation so much because to, to hear a woman who has lost her partner, her husband, yep. tell me that she still can grieve I, a celebrity loss. Like humans are so complex and humans beautiful. are so weird, so think- weird and so complex. And, and, and you, your spirit is just indomitable. Oh, thank you. You know what it was? I grieved him because he was not much older than me. He was 51 years old, 52, maybe he was a father. So that was related to my own trauma. He was, um, a working actor who was, I used to watch, I stopped watching Riverdale after he died. Um, but of course I was watching Riverdale and in my forties. So that's my fault. That's on me. Um, that's on me. Um, but no, I, I no, this is a, a judgment free zone. So I'm gonna let that one slide. But if I was a person that judged, <laughs> I, I might have hopped on there and cracked a few jokes. 
the point I'm making back to you, Sarah, and your pain is that, um, you will continue to feel things. This will not be the last sad thing that happens to you. Oh my God. I wish that it was, I wish that it was, um, (laughs) this will be the most significant thing probably that will happen to you. Um, but you know, it doesn't stop because you lost him and now you're still grappling with the reverberations of what does this mean for the future and projecting it. And that you have to be the one to stop it from hurting your son and that you have to be the one to stop it from, from wrecking that. And you have to be the one to keep your husband alive. And in, in many ways you do, but like I said, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. I, you're not alone. I hope I, I can, I can feel that you're not, I can just feel that you're not, and you're not alone because you have now weird people on the internet who want to help all you. the, all the helpers, you know, and all I'm, the helpers. And I don't know if they have contact information for you, but I'm going to give uh, my information, my contact information to the people here and if they, if she ever contacts you, she can contact me. Amazing. Um, Look at you, Leslie. See, this is what I'm talking about, about storytelling, saving lives. You, you just brought it home for me, Leslie. You're doing my job for me and I appreciate it, sis. What you will do is enough. And you will, you'll say the wrong thing. Like I took too long, I think, to say the word dead, but I couldn't say it yet. I'm so glad you said that. I was going to ask you. It took me ask a, you that. a while. And I would say things like, daddy's not here. Or he had to leave. So my son thinks, so did he leave and go someplace else? Did he leave us? Did he, at one point, that's when I knew I had to say the words because we had driven by our old house and he's, oh, that's where daddy is. Oh, wow. And because he's three at that point. And kids are so literal. So literal. so literal and it, dri- it will drive you crazy. Oh, you know, he, he's not here. And then that can mean a mil- they're just like, okay, he's not here. This is what it means. Okay. If you don't tell them, I feel like they, they go all over the place with it. All over the place. And I had to say, no, sweetie, he died. He was sick. At one point I said he was sick and he had to go away, which could mean he's in the hospital. I just, I didn't yeah. know how it meant. And so you might make mistakes and it's not, it's what you could do at that moment. And so when I was able to say for him, no, daddy was sick and he died. He would never be in this house without us. Do you think that that man, if you remember anything about him, would that anything would ever keep him from you if he was able to stop it from keeping him from you? Nothing. He would never be wow. here without us. He would be with us. And he goes, okay. And it's so beautiful. Well, it's true. And I exactly, which is why it's beautiful because you can really say something. The this, you know, it's if you were saying something you didn't believe, it wouldn't be convincing anyway. No, it wouldn't. You you know the love he had for his child. You know the love that he had for you. You know oh, his really. spirit. You what what I I I don't know Sarah's person, mm-hmm. and I, and I, but I know that Sarah knows her person. Yeah. And I'm sure that some doubt has crept in. I'm sure, like you said, some of that guilt has crept in. But Sarah knows her person. Sarah knew her person so much and cared about her person so much mm-hmm. that Sarah created life with her person. Yes. She's okay. not going to let him die. And if there's anything I've learned from losing my my own dad, yeah. it's that love really does transcend space and time. Because I feel my dad's love and presence more now than I did when he was here. Yeah. And and I, and I just, you know, I I wish so much peace for Sarah and and I see that you have somehow found a new normal, not a normal, but you found a way to exist and you found a way to thrive. Listen to you, Leslie. You are Aww. a testament. 
Oh, and and you. not no, and not only that, but you offered to reach out to Sarah personally. You said, "Yep," or she can she can reach out to me, and that is a that is an unbelievably beautiful thing. And like I said, I do not know Sarah's person, but I know without a doubt Sarah's going to keep her person alive. And I know that in the spirit of wanting to learn a little bit more about Scott, mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind wrapping us up with. Your most favorite thing about Scott, so that we can know him a little bit too. Um, my favorite thing about Scott was that he had no problem making himself look silly or goofy to make other people feel at home. Um, after he died, a friend of mine, I, I was it'd been maybe two, three weeks, and I was just not in my right mind and I was meeting a friend for brunch and I had the baby with me and I ran into a friend of mine, TA, um, sitting outside at the bar and he said, I want to buy you a mimosa and tell me, and I want to tell you what I liked about Scott. And he told me about how, when we used to go to polo and I'm not fancy, I just used to cover polo because there were always celebrities there (laughs) and they would invite me and I would go, I met like, um, John's, uh, who did I meet there? John Sakata and Venus Williams and all these people. It was really great. I was there with um, Scott and I would have to wander off and talk to people. And TA said that Scott would wander over to him and basically talk to him because it was a bunch of other fancy people trying to be fancy and too good for people. And Scott had no problem going, I don't know what the hell this is. Let's talk about it. And that he would crack jokes um, my friend Melanie, who we stayed with for a month and a half before we bought our house recently, her birthday is the day before Scott's death day. And he called her the day before. Um, and he was, his name was Scott Zervitz. He was a Jewish guy. And he would call, he called her and saying, happy birthday to you. Your friend is a Jew. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was ridiculous. He would crack jokes at inopportune moments, not that anyone could hear, but just to make you feel good. And his ego, he had an ego because he was a human, but right. his ego wasn't about stuff like that. His ego was not about looking good. It was about looking good because, you know, he liked a nice shoe and a nice watch, but his ego was not about, I'm never going to admit weakness. I'm never going to look goofy. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't that person. And I think I love that because he understood that looking cool was less important than making people feel good. And I adored him for that. I adored, he had, he could not dance. We, we danced all the time. Anytime we went to a party, we danced. Um, he had a move that I called the box hiker, which was like half hitchhiker, half biker, half boxer. And it was like this weird, like he'd have his hands up like boxing, but he kind of moved them up and down. It's like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's funny. <laughs> and he would do it. Um, and he would just dance around. And um, his, goal was to make sure that people felt loved and knew that they were important. And I've included wow. in that. And my son was included in that. And everyone who ever met Scott has stories about sort, like I said, stuff I didn't even know, like that girl in college who I don't know. Right. Like he, he wanted to make people feel good. And, and he, so he could be a jerk. He was a human man. He could be like weird and careless and whatever, because he was a human person, but his overwhelming spirit was of, um, protection and, um, and love. And he was a big human St. Bernard. 
you just, <laughs> ah, you know. It's been five years. And I got to tell you something. When I heard you talk about him, there were moments where I could literally tell you were smiling. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think that that will give Sarah so much hope. Also, after five years, the way you just told a story, one day someone's going to ask Sarah, what was your favorite thing about Absolutely. your person? Absolutely. And, and she'll remember. And I really hope she'll be where you are, where she is able oh, to find some peace and to, I hope so. you know, do what, tell her story, maybe help someone else or not keep her story to herself and just thrive. And or not is honestly one of the best things. Yeah, I'm... or not. You do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Leslie, I, I, I'm, I'm so in awe of you and I appreciate you more than you could possibly imagine. Oh my gosh, thank you. Yes, of course. It, it, it's a beautiful thing to see someone experience trauma and rather than let the trauma take care of you, you take care of the trauma. And not only that, but you let it transform you. And that is not something that everyone can do to let that pain push you into a different place. Not only did you let your pain push you into a different place, you wrote about it. You're helping people every day with it. The podcast is literally called Help a Human Out. And you are the epitome of what this podcast is all about. So I want to say thank you. I also want to say I am so deeply sorry for your loss. Thank you. And so deeply sorry for Brooks, but I know without a doubt that he he knows his dad. You have made that I evident. Hope so I hope so. You have made that evident, and I, I'm just grateful to have the conversation with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listen, I cannot imagine what it would be like to be newly widowed, and on top of that, Sarah has a fresh baby. And I just want to reiterate how many props I want to give her for that. It's huge. It's huge. You are doing it, mama. Remember that. The biggest takeaway is that there is no timeline for this process. Your timeline belongs to you. It is your own. When you feel comfortable sharing information about your husband with your son, that is when the time is right to do it. And nobody is going to be able to tell you when that is. You'll feel it. I really believe you'll feel it. And one thing I do know as a mom, I know that you're always going to be forgiven. I also know that you're going to mess up along this journey, and that's okay because kids are amazing and they love us anyways. We are their superheroes. We are everything to them. They actually do love us unconditionally. So no matter how you do this, no matter the missteps, no matter what, you're still gonna be loved by your baby and you're gonna be okay. Also, you are not in this alone. You have your network of support and now you have our entire network of support. And we are here, we see you, we hold space for you. You are going to be okay. Thank you, Sarah, so much for sending in your question. Thank you, Leslie, for your time and your expertise. You were amazing. And this is what we do. Every episode, we will take one question and find an expert to answer it. And remember, if you have a question you want answered, please send a recording of yourself to podcast at stillkicking.co. That is podcast at stillkicking.co. Help a Human Out is a Still Kicking podcast. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Our executive producer is Nora McInerney. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. 
Our audio production is done by Red Rock Music, and you can learn more and donate at stillkicking.co slash podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 